For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Miracle Wanzo, and we're going to explore advanced Facebook audience targeting for e-commerce businesses. If you're selling anything online at all, you're going to want to listen to this podcast episode, and it is very, very, very advanced. By the way, I just want to say thank you if you've been a regular listener of this podcast because we are celebrating the eighth year for this podcast. Eight years. Can you believe it? Now, I know some of you have been listening all eight years and you have listened to over 417 episodes and this is the 418th episode. I would love it. If you let me know if you're a regular fan of this show by tagging me on Instagram, I'm at Stelzner, or email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com and let me know what you think about the show. It's been awesome to be with you for eight years. By the way, if you're new to this show, I hope you stay with me for the next eight years as I continue to bring you episodes every single week. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any amazing future episodes. Let's now transition over to this week's interview with Miracle Wanzo. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Miracle Wanzo. If you don't know who Miracle is, she is a Facebook ads expert and co-founder of Discovery Marketing, a Facebook ads technical services agency. She's also the founder of Hip Undies, an e-commerce site for women. Miracle, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to speak to the audience. Today, Miracle and I will explore how e-commerce businesses can do advanced Facebook ad targeting. Before we go there, I would love to hear your story, Miracle. How did you get into Facebook ads? Start wherever you want to go. Sure. It's an interesting story. At one point, long time ago, I had a client that I was working with and they were in the recurring revenue service business and they needed someone to take over their Facebook ads. That was back when you really could only run right column ads on Facebook. Oh, wow. That's a long time ago, huh? I know. Well, I mean, yes and no, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and you could like, ads were insane. Creative was terrible. For the most part, you were running ads that were pretty much all text. And so as I got into it and started to learn and the platform evolved, I thought, you know, I really want to make this my thing. 
I missed, quote unquote, missed the boat on Google Ads. I never got in in the early stages to, to kind of evolve with that platform. And I saw Facebook shaping up to be the next big one. And I said, I want to be able to be a part of this and learn to master the platform. So work in progress, but that's how I got started. So was that like 2009-ish or 2008 or something like that? Does that sound about right? It was a little bit later than that, but yeah, it was around that time. So how did you evolve? Like, you know, so in the beginning, that's how you got started, but like, let's share a little bit more of the story. Like, how did you go from just, you know, the right rail stuff to the stuff you're doing today? Yeah, crazy. Because for the longest time, there was no place that you could go to get a reliable education on Facebook ads. So it was very scrappy and you were picking up knowledge wherever you could find it, listening to everyone and everything everywhere, no matter where you came across it. And at a certain point, and I don't quite remember the timeline, but there was a, a platform called Teespring. Mm. It's still around. It's just not in the same way that it was then. And a lot of affiliate marketers and CPA marketers were converting into using these crowdfunding product platforms like Teespring to sell things. And that turned out to be a really great place to get an education on Facebook ads because they had a little bit of an incentive to teach people the platform because, you know, they bring in people under them. And they had the ability to test and try so many different things and so many different angles that that was how I got a lot of knowledge on how to use the platform and what the features were and how to kind of push the limits of the platform. And, and that was also an era that was responsible for a lot of rules coming into place on, on Facebook platform and how they started to approach what was being served in the newsfeed and creating policies to make sure that the users felt comfortable with the ads that they were receiving. So it, it was a time of great change and, and evolution on the Facebook ads platform. And somewhere along the way, you decided to just really narrow in on the e-commerce side of things, right? And you got some certifications and stuff. So tell us a little bit about that as well. Right. So e-commerce or just not necessarily products and services, but just any kind of transaction involving money online. So I've worked with uh, SaaS and, and monthly recurring revenue service and info products and physical products. And going along that, Facebook started to formalize their training, Facebook Blueprint. A lot of people have heard of it. A lot of people don't use it. And at some point, Facebook started certifying media buyers, media planners, all these different categories. Now they have quite a few blueprint certifications. And at one point I happened to see, do you know who Dennis Yu is from Blitz Metrics? You know him. Yes, yes, I know him very well. Yeah, so Dennis posted a coupon for one of the certifications. They were beta testing it. And if you got the coupon, took the certification, you didn't have to pay for it. Mm. I was like, okay, let's do this. And so that was the first certification I got. I don't remember what it was called at that time, but at, at this time it's called Ads Developer One. And that's how we got into the Facebook Marketing Partner Technical Services Program was through the Ads Developer Certification. And so at that point, I started taking the other certifications that I felt applied. Some of them were 
I had more knowledge to pass them without intense study and some of them I didn't. So it forced me to kind of formalize what I know about the platform and learn it the way Facebook has structured it to be able to get more Facebook Blueprint certifications. So tell us, how does the hip undies thing kind of play into all this? I'm sure some people are like, I want to know more about that. Right, because I got hit with one of the Panda Penguin, I call them the zoo updates back in the day. By the way, we're talking Google, just so people understand. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, survived. But there came a point in my business where I had rely on search engine optimization. I wasn't well-versed in paid advertising. And I came to a fork in the road where I had to decide, I was like, either I'm going to stick with SEO and double down, or maybe I'll give this paid advertising thing a try and lean into it and figure out how to do it. And so that became a choice that I made about where my knowledge would lie in terms of my ability to sell products online. So that's how the e-commerce plays into it. And it's tricky because I sell lingerie, but I also sell loungewear and pajamas. And lingerie can be tricky. That can be a dicey category when it comes to ad approvals. So you really have to learn how to twist and turn and pivot and modify your angles and your creatives so that you don't skirt that line you know, that might be a little too much to get your ads approved on Facebook. Excellent. So we understand that you've got a lot of experience from running your own e-commerce business and of course, helping a lot of others along the way in the technical side of it. So that's a great transition into my next question, which is for all the other e-commerce businesses that are listening right now, why should they focus on Facebook ads? Tell us maybe some of the advantages in case they're not. So the one thing that I love the absolute most about Facebook, and you you can kind of say the same thing is true of most digital advertising, but you can wake up in the morning and you can have an idea about an angle you want to take with the product that you carry, or maybe you don't even have it yet. And you want to see if you can drum up a little interest with pre-sales, right? And if you have an account and, and you're pretty nifty with getting some creative set up, you can get that creative set up, get that ad published, get it reviewed, same day, get it running and see if it has any traction. And I think that's a really beautiful thing from an e-commerce perspective, because if you're old school like me, sometimes you had to make decisions about your product assortment long before you knew if you were going to be able to make it work, especially if you came from a, a search background, you could look up Uh, keyword planner and see search intent, but you didn't necessarily know if you were going to be able to rank if you couldn't afford to, you know, bid for ad space. So when you're able to do that, to get like some immediate feedback on your products or your services or ideas, you can realize how great of a platform it is for a business that's selling things online. Excellent. And Also, let's not forget Instagram, right? I mean, like, uh, it seems like that tapping into Instagram can be huge for e-commerce as well. Do you find that to be true, especially for the physical products? Absolutely. Because usually when I speak about Facebook, I mean the entire platform without differentiation between Instagram as a placement, because I kind of see them as one of the same, even though Instagram has its own nuances and unique differences from Facebook. But they're both still incredibly opportunistic platforms. That's amazing. 
All right. So let's spend some time talking about some of the amazing things we can do potentially with advanced targeting, right? Because first of all, before we go there, actually, I love the idea that you can just spin up an ad and target it to an audience and see if the product will sell before you even manufacture the thing. I mean, or decide to resell it, right? I mean, like that's super powerful. Have you successfully used that to decide whether or not to carry certain products or for your customers? It is so funny that you mentioned this. I I have a friend, Kevin Williams, and, you know, he's been on Shark Tank, all this stuff. And he came up with this hypothesis of using Facebook to do exactly that. And we actually built out and tested this framework called the Miniature Minimum Viable Product, a tongue twister for sure. And it was this framework for how do you set up a product? What do you put on a landing page, on an add to cart page? What volume of traffic are you looking for to determine that you have enough data to make a call? And what indicators do you measure to determine if it would be successful if you had it, right? Because you're testing and if you don't have it, there are different ways that you can handle it. You can take pre-orders and pre-sales. You can just build a list. But at some point, you have to come up with numbers that allow you to determine if it would be successful if the person could make the transaction right now and get the product pretty quickly. So yeah, I've actually done that and actually used that, that framework to test things to see if they would work before putting a bunch of money into something. Excellent. So we're going to spend some time talking a little bit about some of the more advanced audience targeting that you can do on Facebook, probably Mm -hmm. kind of from here on out. So let's just privy that by saying there's some stuff we're going to talk about that's kind of technical. So if you don't understand some of this stuff, uh, we're going to have some really amazing show notes for you. But let's just start with some of the things that our audience may not realize that you can do with advanced targeting with ads on Facebook. Can you share a little bit more about that? Okay, so do you want me to talk a little bit about what we do with your website traffic and your custom audiences from there? Yeah, I mean, like one of the things we could talk about is we could talk about how using Google Tag Manager, for example, yep. in collaboration with uh, whatever else you're doing allows you to do targeting that may not be so intuitive and obvious right out of the gate if you feel comfortable with that. Absolutely. So we'll split it. First, I'll talk about Shopify a little bit and some of the apps And we'll put these in the show notes that can help people with Shopify. Shopify does have a default Facebook pixel integration, and that's pretty standard. And if people are running Shopify and they want to use some advanced tactics, I have a few apps that we'll put in the show notes that can help them with that, that can help them do things like set up Google Tag Manager, or the apps themselves have built-in functionality for allowing the store owner or advertiser to set up some of these advanced features. On WordPress, there's Pixel Your Site, and I went and looked this up recently, and they have a really interesting update that they've done, which is, you know, with everybody being concerned about GDPR, and I believe it's CCPA, I may have the acronym wrong, in California, people are concerned about cookies, And so Facebook has released some other methods of user tracking and Pixel Your Site has started to integrate with those. Mm. Okay, so let's back up for a second. Let's back up, yeah. Do you have any of those Shopify plugin names off the top of your head? Yep. Okay, can you just name them real quick? 
Yep. Elevar is one. Elevar works with Google Tag Manager. And how do you spell that? E-L-E-V-A-R. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're great. Uh, There's Pixel Perfect by Little Data. That's a low-cost app in Shopify App Store. And there's Trackify. Those are a few of my favorites where I'm really comfortable with the team behind them and I know the kind of work that they do. And then on the WordPress side, whether it's WordPress or WooCommerce, Pixel Your Site is, is one of my favorites for WordPress WooCommerce. Okay, so let's talk about why in the world you want Tag Manager integration in general. Let's like step back a little bit and talk about yeah, what does that enable? Sure. So typically when you have an e-commerce site, the way people look at the traffic that they bring to that site, whether it's from ads or anything, they look at whether or not that person viewed the product, added it to the cart, initiated the checkout or the purchase process and whether or not they completed it. And that's the totality of how most people see a a quote unquote funnel on an e-commerce site. And we should say that's not bad, but there's so much more, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So much more because people do so many different things on a site. They take so many different actions that are valuable, that signal intent that didn't necessarily involve adding a product to the cart. So when you look at how most stores handle their retargeting, they may or may not be able to get a good return on ad spend by targeting people who viewed the product, right? Especially if you're bringing traffic to a product page, just simply viewing a product may not signal anything about purchase intent because that was the landing page. So they may not be able to effectively retarget that traffic. And then they focus primarily on people who added to cart or maybe got into the purchase process. But all that other traffic, all the people who just came to the site and didn't add anything to cart, what do you do with that? How do you figure out who has intent to purchase and who doesn't? And that's where that kind of advanced audience tracking. And that's where you would want a more advanced tool to send signals because the events that come through the Facebook pixel, Facebook, they call those signals. So you would want to send signals through your pixel that help you as an advertiser evaluate the behavior of those people, figure out what determines intent or what signals intent and to put them into audiences so that you can retarget them and or use those audiences to create new lookalikes that help you further expand your prospecting. Well, you know, some of the things that I'm thinking of metaphorically is let's just imagine a grocery store, right? So people that pull into your parking lot (laughs) on your grocery store, right? Are one thing, right? And that's almost like someone coming to your site, right? But then you've got people who walk through the front door, right? And then you've got people that walk down the vegetable aisle, right? And then you've Mm -hmm. got people who came back. I don't know. I'm just metaphorically talking here. Someone picked up a thing of corn, right? I mean, this is a crazy metaphor, but you get the idea, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. so much more that we could track, right? How long are they actually in the store, right? Are they just in and out, you know? Yeah. Those are the kind of things that we are capable of tracking with the right kind of stuff metaphorically. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. And then to take it even further, like say you talk about a product just like that, right? You say someone picked up a can of corn or a loaf of bread. What about tracking people categorically? Uh, 
were they shopping for vegetables or baked goods or frozen goods or household goods mm -hmm. or, you know, things for kids that indicate that they have young children at home or babies or you get the point. Did, did they shop for something in the health and wellness category? You know, there are all these different buckets of information about your customers that can help you as an advertiser better service them from ads. And it does two things. It, it creates new opportunities that you may have not thought of before, but it also can help you advertise more cost effectively. Perfect. So what are some of the things that we can actually track? Maybe we should be talking about the phrase custom events here. I don't know. Like, what are some of the things that we can actually, if we take it now to the world of ads, what are some of the things that we can do that some people might not realize? Like if we get specific now. Sure. So one of the things that we will link to in the show notes are the standard events for the Pixel, because I think a lot of people don't realize that those evolve and that over time, Facebook does add more standard events. And standard events are things that are just already built into uh, Facebook's documentation of how they receive signals and interpret data. So, you know, we all know standard events like add to cart, initiate checkout, complete purchase, but there are other ones. There are things like customize a product that a lot of people don't know about. So we'll link to that in the show notes so that people can take a look at that and say, hey, maybe that sparks some ideas of some things that Facebook has already built out that I never thought about tracking. Outside of the standard events, that's when you start to get into custom events. Like there are some custom events that I think every site can benefit from. Like if we go back in time to maybe a few years ago in Facebook ads, maybe it's still a thing. There used to be this big debate over how do you handle traffic that bounces from your site really quickly? Um, some people chose to handle it by delaying when the pixel fired by maybe a few seconds, right? So if people came through to that site and it was a mistake and they left immediately, they weren't tracking them. Well, another way you can approach that is just to simply to measure the time on site and just not retarget people who are not on your site more than a few seconds. That's a big win. That's a big, quick, easy, low hanging fruit kind of win that a lot of people can use time on page, time on site. We're now talking about custom events here, though, right? Is that correct? We're talking about custom events. Yeah, anything you measure outside of the standard events are considered custom events. But I don't want people to think that it's like, ooh, scary, complicated, like I'm doing something outside of the system that might cause problems. No, Facebook wants advertisers to build custom events that matter to their business. It, it's encouraged. Let me back up for a second for some people who are confused. Sure. So- this is where Tag Manager comes into account, right? So kind of explain the interrelationship between what Facebook's capable of tracking on its own and what Google Tag Manager help explain the interrelationship between these tools for like, people. Like why would you use it? So some tools do have built-in custom events, right? Because they built those out for their audience. For example, if you use a tool like Pixel Perfect by Little Data or Trackify, they actually have built-in custom events for tracking things like time on site, time on page. They built that out because their customer base has asked for it. Mm. But if you want to have like complete and total control over, you know, the kind of events you send to Facebook, that's when you start to use something like Google Tag Manager because it gives you the flexibility to implement whatever you want, you know, without digging into the code of your theme or on Shopify, well, on Shopify and WordPress, they're both called themes. So it gives you the flexibility to 
build out these tags for these custom events as you see fit. So that's the reason that a lot of people use Google Tag Manager because it provides a simplified and easy to manage, a little bit complicated, has a bit of a learning curve, but once you get it, you have a really reliable structure for managing the tags on your website. Okay, this is a rookie question, but I'm a rookie Mm -hmm. because I don't do the ads for us. (laughs) (laughs) How does the custom event kind of, uh, how does it show up in Facebook ads manager? Like, how do I take advantage of it? Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. So it depends on what you're doing. Once you start sending custom events to Facebook, you know how you go into Facebook and you say, I'm going to build an audience right? and I want an audience of people who did this. And so in that this, you might see they added a product to the cart or they made a purchase or they viewed a URL. Your custom events will start showing up there. Got it. So let's talk about the time on site thing. Mm -hmm. Let's get a little advanced on like what you can do at time on site. Is it just a number that gets communicated up to Facebook or is it something like if they're here this long, it triggers this? Like explain that a little bit. Sure. So on a technical level, you can have a custom event and then within a custom event, you can have parameters. Ah, So for example, when someone views a product, that standard event is view content. And then within that, it says, what is the ID of that product? You know, the SKU. Right. How much does that product cost? What is the name of that product? What is the category of that product? Those are all parameters. Ah, yeah. So wait a minute. So so you can say then you can set up some logic in Facebook ads that says, show an ad to the people that looked at this particular product, but it's technically done through the event and then the parameter, right? So it allows you to kind of do a query on that. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Sure. If you're sending the data, you can build the audience. So for example, if you send that data of the product category, like being shoes, you can build an audience of people who viewed shoes or Uh, who added shoes to the cart. And so the same thing goes with time on site, which is a custom event. You can send the event of time on site and then you can send the time as intervals So let's just say, for example, we're going to test something. We have a really high traffic site. When we retarget everybody, we don't get a great ROAS. So let's say, okay, let's... Return on ad spend for those that aren't technically... Okay, keep going. Return on ad spend. So let's say we're going to build an audience of people who've been on the site for five seconds or more and try retargeting them and seeing if we get a better ROAS. Mm. Or even if, you know, again, you got to go based on the volume. You got to have enough people to substantiate using them as an audience, you can say, well, we looked in our our Google Analytics, our Facebook Analytics, wherever analytics we use, and we determined that if people spend like this amount of time on our site, then they're probably really interested. And then you can build out an audience like that. So that's one of the ways that you can use something like time on site. Like what if you have a long form sales page, Right. right? Do you want to target everyone that goes there? Or maybe you want to target people that scrolled and read more than 50% of it or got to the bottom or spent more than a certain amount of time on that page. It just helps you further qualify that traffic in a way that can, again, either present more opportunities or help you do it more cost effectively. Excellent. So time on site and scroll What are some of the other custom events that we can do other than just time on site and scroll so people can kind of, in their mind, visualize some of the other creative things they could do? 
Yeah, there are so many different things you can do. One thing that's really good for sites that have a lot of on-site content, on-site video content, is to to send events when people view their on-site videos. So when you say on-site videos, you just mean any video that's on the website is what you're saying. Yeah. Right? So you know how some businesses, they produce like a lot of YouTube content. Sure. Let's use that, for example, because YouTube videos already built in integration with Google Analytics, and then they have those YouTube videos on their site. Maybe... Maybe that video is on a sales page. Maybe it's not. But let's just say you're bringing a lot of traffic to a sales page. You have a YouTube video. You want to build an audience of people that got through 25% of the video. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's another one. Other ones, you know, what people do on your site, how long they spend on your site. One of the ones that I like for a long form sales page, you know, scroll, scroll, scroll. You kind of get to the offer after you scroll is what's called a visibility element. So... Instead of just looking at all that traffic is the same, you build an audience once people have gotten to the offer. Now you know that they saw it. Instead of just everyone who came to the site, we're going to retarget them, treat them the same. We're going to segment those who scrolled and read far enough to get to the offer, put them in a separate audience, retarget them separately. Yeah, because maybe they saw the price, but nobody else did, right? Because they didn't get down that far. That's super cool. You know, we have to use Hotjar. We use Hotjar. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with yep. Hotjar has a scrolling uh, function so we can kind of see how many people get down to certain aspects of the page. And, you know, for us, we find that super, super valuable because we can watch to see if there's drop off in certain paragraphs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But man, you know, knowing that you could target people who hit that particular part of the page because for a fact that they hit that page. And what's great is like, if it's on mobile, it's a different location, right? Than if it's on yeah. desktop. And that's the advantage of knowing they hit that no matter what, right? Exactly. And I think what it really comes down to is is looking at your audience based on their behavior instead of kind of like treating them in a generalized way. I like that a lot. And being very specific about what you target them with. For example, I did another consulting gig recently where the client was selling from the same product page, you could choose whether you wanted the garment in an adult size or a child size. Mm. That's an important thing to differentiate because if someone is buying for children, you may want to segment that audience out in your retargeting so that when you're sending them creative, they're seeing the creative for children instead of seeing the creative for adults and then having to click all the way through to see that it also comes in a child size. I love that. I want to dig a little bit deeper on the parameter stuff because it sounds like that's a parameter. Is that right? I mean, somehow we're sending, you mentioned earlier about how you can send values or information through the custom event. Would that be a parameter? And if so, what are some of the other parameters that we could be sending? So that, no, see this where it gets to a matter of, hoping that the person executing it is being organized because you actually could send that as an event. You don't have to use parameters in an event. Uh. It's easier and it's more organized to do it that way. And it's something that if if you are one of those people who gets a little, a little anal-retentive about stuff like that, you might want to set it up that way because it would drive you crazy if, if you didn't. I'm one of those kinds of people. Right. 
But once you start to get into the custom realm, you do have the choice of how you structure your data. So what's most important is to set it up, think it through, write it out, and get it all organized before you start implementing it so that you're consistent. Consistency is the most important thing. This is the same thing we preach whenever we get somebody on to talk about Google Analytics, right? Because when you're sending mm-hmm. UTM parameter data, even if it's uh uppercase versus lowercase, it's all different, yeah. you know? So you got to have like a, a library almost, right, of how you're doing these kinds of things. So tell us about some of the parameters that you've used or your clients have used just so people can kind of in their mind understand what you can do with parameters. Sure. So for example, that was an apparel and sending kind of like what's considered the age range or age group of the garment that they're selecting, that's a great parameter. Size is a great one. Sometimes whether it's for men or women is a great one. On products where people don't really bleed over much, I use auto parts as an example, because if people have a certain type of car, that's the car they have. Mm. And I've worked with clients that have segmented their audiences. Some just based on the, the manufacturer, some all the way down to the model. Wow and sent that data through their pixels so that they could build out those specific audiences. Because, you know, if you have a a Tesla, it's not going to help you to see ads for BMW accessories. (laughs) Right. Other things, like you see that sometimes with uh, beauty products, like if people have a oily skin, dry skin, then you can be very specific with the products that you're offering them for their skin type. So there are so many examples of the ways that you can use that data. You can even use it based on how you're setting your your pricing on your website. Is this a full price? Is this a discounted? Is this a clearance item? Did someone use a coupon? Are they a coupon shopper? Are they a deal shopper? You can even send like seasonal data. Maybe someone was buying gifts for Mother's Day or Father's Day. And, and that's a valuable audience for you. Crazy question. How long does this data live in Facebook? Because I'm thinking creatively about all these things, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's say somebody went to the auto parts site and they selected a part that's unique to Honda, right? Yeah. And you now know that they need that part, but you also know that they have a Honda car, right? Mm-hmm. So down the road, you might be able to advertise other Honda related, and you might even know what year the car is, right? Mm-hmm. So you might know, hey, typically cars that are this old have this kind of problem and you might show ads to them for something totally different. Because you happen to know that they're a Honda owner of like a 2001 Honda, you know, mm-hmm. pilot or something. So how long is that data up there in Facebook? Because I would imagine if it's there for a while, you could get quite creative with how you choose to use it, right? So that's an interesting thing. I don't know how long the data exists on Facebook servers, but you can only build the custom audience within that 180 day window. I see. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. But you got six months though, right? And you can re-engage them too. You can try to get them re-engaged and get them back to the site so that you reset the clock on that 180 days. Does it get kind of crazy in Facebook when you have all these custom audiences and all these variables and stuff? Does it almost require someone to like, is it like walking into a completely unorganized library or is that kind of what you were talking about earlier about how, you know, yeah, it can get crazy, but if you're structuring it right, then it's like magical because it's like big data in the cloud almost, right? Right, if you're structuring it right, that part of it is not complicated. What what you do if you structure it right and you send the signals is you've now equipped your media buyer or your account manager, advertising manager, whomever, with more tools in their toolkit to be able to use for retargeting or building lookalike audiences. Now, 
once you start to build those lookalike audiences, I'll admit the Facebook ads manager interface for organizing them is leaves a lot to be desired. But if you have a standard naming convention for all of your audiences, it becomes easy to manage. It's kind of more of a problem when people are in a very bad habit of just naming things, whatever comes to mind. Right. Then it gets out of control and you're looking at it going, I don't know what to make of this. So, okay, let's say we've got all this amazing data because we sell a couple of different series of products. How can we use this all together? Can you give us some more maybe examples of what is possible now that we've got all this information available to be targeted in Facebook? Right. So, for example, a lot of people will use some of the things that they think about to build lookalike audiences, right? Usually people use purchase related variables, but a standard option that's available in there is to use people who purchased a, a large quantity of items or people who've made, you know, repeat purchases. And then when you start sending some of this, these uh, additional data points, you can further segment that audience and build out more lookalikes. Um, there are some things that are, you know, in Ads Manager, and then there are some things that are you might need specialized software to do because it's in the API and it's not Ads Manager. A 1% lookalike in Facebook in the United States, it's 2.2 million people, right? Okay. But even within that 2.2 million, only some percentage of them are viable prospects for whatever it is you're offering, right? So that further reduces the size. If you're advertising on Facebook, for some time and you have a decent, you know, flow of money going through your account. One of the things you hear people say is, you know, we kind of quote unquote burn out our audiences. Mm -hmm. We're reaching a, a large percentage of them. We're kind of exhausting them. Sometimes they try to go, okay, well, we'll go up. We'll go to 2%, 3%, 4%, so on and so on. And then they'll reach a point where they feel like maybe they're tapping out. Well, if you are able to send this data to Facebook and build different custom audiences, it gives you different ways to look at your advertising so that you have more angles to take when you're building these lookalikes. You can combine multiple data points to create new audiences of value for your website. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. You got any examples of anything you've done recently? Yeah. An example of that is, this doesn't, this doesn't always work. Like you have to test everything, right? But you can combine a category of product with a value spent in that category. Doesn't always work because it doesn't necessarily mean just because, you know, people who bought a product will generate a lookalike of people who would also be interested. But again, these are other angles that you can take. So like in your case, lingerie, I don't know. I mean, can you give an actual example, even if it's metaphorical? I mean, just so people can visualize what that would look like in their head. Yeah, I could take a custom audience of people who have spent more than $200 on lingerie. Got it. Okay. Versus people who've spent $200 or more on pajamas. Ah, okay. Yeah. Got it. Where in the past, you might have just gone to people that purchased pajamas, right? So now you're getting more narrow. Well, most people don't send that. Most people don't send the category of the product. They I might see. send the SKU because they need it for the dynamic retargeting, but most people don't structure that part of the data that they're sending in a way that works for them. 
Got it. Yeah. So you found category combined with financial value is a, if you've tapped out, that's a new thing that you can try. You've found mm-hmm. some success with that. What about the lookalike stuff? Do you find that when you get super narrow, like what we just talked about and create a lookalike that that can yield results? As long as you have enough people in that seed audience. So again, that goes back to the volume of traffic on the website, right? Right. Because you don't want to build lookalikes with the bare minimum. You need a minimum of 100 people in an audience to build a lookalike. The problem, if your seed is too small, is that the confidence level may not be that high, right? There may not be enough data points to build out a lookalike. So how big does it need to be? Facebook is, they kind of say something like, you know, a couple thousand up to 5,000. That's kind of where they've sat in their documentation. So as long as you have enough people in the audience to build the look, like that doesn't mean like get all crazy. Like, oh, I've sent all this data. Now right. I can combine people who did all these different things just because I can. You don't want to do it just because you can. You want to do it because it makes sense. It makes sense for the way that your business operates. It makes sense for the way that people are interacting with your, your website and your products and services and, and the way that you want to market them. And you can also use these audience metrics as well. You know, when you're looking at how much time they're spending on your site and and what kind of actions are they taking, they can really help build out ways for you to find more people to reach. That's what it's really about. Miracle, this has been amazing. And I know some people are like, okay, that was definitely advanced. (laughs) (laughs) And some people might want to reach out to you and find out more about you and the services that you offer and so on and so forth. So where do you want to send them if they are interested in discovering more about you and what you do? Yeah, so our website for the agency is discoverymarketing.io. You can reach me there. I always have Facebook Messenger open and I'm at Miracle Wanzo on Messenger. Miracle, thank you again for coming on and sharing your wisdom and insights with us. We're a lot smarter as a result of it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, don't forget about our Facebook Marketing Summit. Starting literally in a few days, check out fbsummit.info to get your tickets. If you missed anything, and I know there was a lot that was talked about, we took all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 418. If you're new to the show, hit the subscribe button. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show at Stelzner on Instagram. Thank you so much for being with me. It's super exciting to have brought this show to you every single week for eight years. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.